to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio, coming from you for, to you from uh, sunny San Diego, California. If you're in bad weather this morning, don't hate me. So I cannot believe it, but it's the day after New Year's. How are all of you out there if you're feeling that you didn't have fun, that you're dumb, that you're numb? You did not listen to our program on December 26th. Huh. So, however the holidays turned out for you, they are over. Many of us lament that, and many of us are in the cheering section for that. There is a new day rising today. Whatever you are today, it will change tomorrow. And you want to know what I mean by this? I mean that we never stay in one state of mind or with one emotion for very long unless we ruminate on painful experiences or what slight others deliver to us, or unless we stoke some emotion. So have you ever noticed that it's much more challenging to remain in positive moods and with positive thoughts and emotions than it is to dwell on the negative? I've always been thinking about that. Like, that is really strange. But research shows, and I've researched this, that it's simply human nature to stay in the negative. We hang out there. And we can change that by practicing focusing on the positive. We can do it by focusing on what we are grateful for. So for your New Year's, you might want to think every morning when you open your eyes to get out of bed, one thing you are grateful for and carry that through the day with you. So today is January 2nd. I cannot believe that the holidays are over, as I said. And I want to talk to you about setting New Year's goals. I've been doing a lot of thinking about this. It's always been a mystery to me. So I want to ask you, is it weird for us to plan goals for an entire year? What do you think? Could that be a setup for failure? As I said, I've done my own research scholastically, academically, but I've done my own personal research on this. And see if you can relate in some way. Every January, when I go to the gym, it's mobbed. I have difficulty finding a parking place. I have to wait for the treadmill or the elliptical machines. And after years of watching the, let's see, what do I call it? Ah, the New Year's exercise goal-setting mob, I know that by February, the gym won't be so crowded, and by March, I won't have to wait for anything. My hypothesis is that we all get energized by making New Year's resolutions, and then over time, we forget them, or they're too difficult to maintain. That's 
been true for me? Is it true for you? Is that your experience? If we are retrospective, by the end of the year, we look back, and instead of having a feeling of accomplishment, we list our New Year's resolution um, desertion. I'll call it desertion, as some type of failure. And I must admit, I've been guilty of doing the same thing. The interesting part of this is that when the next New Year resolution opportunity comes around, I tend to make the same resolution knowing that it will be a real challenge to keep the resolution. I ask myself, what's up with this? And then, after thinking about it, I figured out that we have to make our goals measurable. How did we have a success? So as we welcome in the new year, we might want to consider rolling back our goals and plans and just embracing this very first week of January. Why? Because that way we can create successes for ourselves. Yesterday, I created a goal for the first week of my new year, and my goal is to go to the gym twice during this week. Well, I did it yesterday, so I'm going to count that. And I can do it, and I will do it. It's totally doable, and I have no plans to be out of town. Well, I'm out of town, and I did it yesterday. But for the rest of the week, I'm going home to the Bay Area, and I have no plans to be anywhere else, so I need one more time. I can measure that. I will have had a success for the week. Do that for yourself this week. Create success. So how do we motivate ourselves? To create success? This is a huge question, and that is the perfect lead-in to this week's guest, Mark Lanceberger. Mark has a degree in mathematics and communi- from computer science from, I can't talk this morning, from California State University in Hayward. He's been a teacher for over 20 years, and it is 2018. He was the teacher of the year for San Diego County. He's also a musician. He's a former touring musician and recording artist and incorporates this talent to his humanistic and whole child approach to technical education. It is my great pleasure to introduce Mark Lanceberger. Welcome, Mark. Good morning, Dr. Ann. It's a pleasure to be with you and your listeners this morning. Well. Congratulations on being the 2018 Teacher of the Year in San Diego County. That is such a huge deal. Could you tell our listeners, because I think they probably don't know what this takes to be the Teacher of the Year, about the process and the criteria you had to meet? Well, thank you for asking, and thank you for the congratulations. Um, That whole process begins with uh, being selected by your peers at your school site. Uh, which is a huge honor, especially at a school like mine. Uh, I, I teach with a lot of really amazing teachers. Uh, so they select you at the site first. And then there's a series of interviews and observations and essays that you write. Uh, and it kind of goes through stages, uh, through the district level and then into the county, uh, and then finally for the whole state of California. Well, it sounds like a huge, long process. Does it take much of your time? Uh, a, a lot of time, actually. It takes uh, 
the process started in uh, kind of March of, uh, of 2017, actually, uh, and it went all the way into 2018. Wow. And then are you done because it's 2019? Yes, my, uh, my, my year of being honored is complete. Uh, it, it, was, it was quite a ride. Uh, <laughs> lots, of, uh, lots of county events, uh, and, and I did make it into the uh, consideration for the California State Teacher of the Year as well. Uh, so there were some trips to Sacramento and that kind of thing uh, involved in that. Well, congratulations, Mr. Lathberger, and I hope I can call you Mark. That is such a huge, huge accomplishment and honor. And as I think back to my educational experiences, I remember some really great and some really boring teachers. In fact, I can remember my Algebra two teacher who never turned around to look at her students. And as a teen, who often said it as I saw it, I used to say that she taught the whiteboard because, again, she never turned around. I won't even tell you the grade I got in her class, and so nobody <laughs> asked me, please. So, Mark. In your opinion, and I want all the parents who are listening to really pay attention to this, what makes a good teacher? That's a great question, Dr. Ann. Honestly, first and foremost, a teacher has to have content mastery. Now, clearly, your Algebra two teacher probably had mastered the content but was missing a huge other component of what it takes to, to, to really engage their students. That and that's really totally true. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just knowing your content, which you do have to know, like the back of your hand. But there also has to be a passion for mentoring young people in their explorations of the world and beyond, uh, helping them to become curious uh, about the content that you have so much passion for and helping energize their curiosity and their drive towards understanding more about the world around them. Well, it's a huge responsibility, I think, and I was wondering, what are the building blocks you help your students create for themselves? Well, part of that is creating an environment where they feel comfortable. So there's a lot that can go into that from, from just the physical layout of your classroom uh, and, and what it looks like when they walk in the room. How are they greeted? is the person that is running the class, AKA the teacher, is that somebody who is warm and inviting and giving them an opportunity to, quite frankly, to fail? That it's okay, it's a safe place to experiment and try new things uh, and, and not feel like you're, you're less than if you don't quite make the standard or make the mark. Well, I think a welcoming environment I'm trying to think back on my educational experience. Uh, I think I could say one teacher did that, and I felt like I loved that class. And so a welcoming environment and how the room is arranged are two things that you think really help students mold a good experience for themselves. Yeah, one of the things that I do is I actually have, uh, rather than desks, I have tables. So every student is in a group with three other students. Uh, and so there's, there's a collective there, you know, uh, and they can feel like they're close to some of their peers. Uh, on the first days, I let them just pick their seats so they will naturally gravitate towards people that they already know. I think that's a brilliant idea. I came from the seating chart 
<laughs> so right. uh, one thing I learned about you, Mark, is that I understand you incorporate music into technical education. I thought that was an amazing concept. I've never, ever heard of anyone doing that. And would you tell us a little bit about that? I can. Um, the humanities and the arts and the things that we explore in those fields, they're really just extensions of the human experience. And science is another cog in that exact same wheel. Uh, we can track that over time uh, and, and see in the historical record the evolution of, of human society uh, at large. So I think if we allow students to see how everything fits together like a gigantic social jigsaw puzzle, uh, they get a better sense of their own context. Well, just having the idea of, is it classical music or do you play techno rock? It spans the gamut. Before, okay. <laughs> and we're coming up on a break. So before you get into the answer to that question, what kind of, is it heavy metal or not, we're going to have to uh, take a break. And listeners, we will be back in about two minutes with Mr. Mark Landsberger, 2018 Teacher of the Year in San Diego County, California. We will be right back. Move in your near future. I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers timothy and the guys recently moved me and i am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not so fun experience moving call timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience around town movers for that local or cross-country move timothy Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, listeners, to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. Coming to you from sunny San Diego, California this morning. And we have the honor of being with 
Mr. Mark Landsberger, 2018 San Diego County Teacher of the Year. And Mark, before the break, we were talking about you introducing music into your technical education. And first of all, tell us what you teach. And then secondly, tell us about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a bit of a curiosity. Uh, I teach computer science. So my students all learn how to program. I have a two-year program. Uh, the first year is in the C programming language, and the second year is in Java, and it's an advanced placement program. And one of the things Boy. that I do with music – oh, I'm sorry. That's all Greek to me, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the things that I do is, is uh, being a musician uh, and having a background in that, uh, it's something that I wanted to incorporate into my into my room, uh, into the welcoming nature of my room. So, you know, for the first five minutes of class or so, uh, we'll have some music on as students are, are coming in, and I'm taking role and doing administrative types of things. Uh, and we just listen to music for, for mostly kind of get a little bit. We were talking about how does that fit into technical education before. Uh, and, you know, the sciences are really just another human expression. And so is the arts and humanities and all of these things. So I actually have a timeline that I use throughout the year. And I start off with, uh, actually, we start in 6000 BC with Australian Aboriginal music, uh, which really kind of kicks the year off right. Uh, the kids are very curious. They're like, <laughs> what is that? You know? <laughs> uh, and, and, and then I, I just kind of run chronologically through a timeline. Uh, so right now, uh, my, my classes are in the Romantic period, uh, and, and we just listened to, I think we just, we just wrapped up with Chopin before our break. So, uh, so it, it does focus a lot on Western music, uh, but we start with a lot of ancient music to, to begin with. And by the time we get to June, we'll be, we'll be in 2018. I think that is such an amazing, amazing idea. It sort of uh, makes it more relational or less anxiety-evoking, I think. So how did you come up with that idea? Well, uh, I, I did a fair amount of philosophy um, in, in college, and one of the things that I studied was the history of science in a chronological way of how the science is kind of fed upon each other uh, and, and grew out of, out of the literature that developed. Uh, and I, I thought, gosh, this is no different than art. And, you know, one, one composer in an era has an influence on another composer later on. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's all pertinent to the human experience. Well, I just cannot be picturing myself as a junior in high school listening to Aboriginal music. That would have been a totally <laughs> great experience. And I'm curious about what do your students think about this coming in at the first of the year or coming back to romance music and then coming up to heavy metal in 2019? I bet they love it. What's, what's your experience of that? Uh, the, the kids really love it um, because along with the music, I'll often tell a little story about uh, the people that made that kind of music or the composer who wrote it. Uh, and there's great stories, you know, uh, like between um, uh, Salieri and, and Mozart and, and their competition in, in, in uh, Vienna and, and things like that. The, ki the kids really get into those stories. Uh, a lot of times by the end of the year, they're asking for the playlist. They're like, hey, can you just give us the playlist so that we can, we can listen to this on our own? <laughs> and do you? Uh, I do. I do, actually. Uh, I, I've got a little document that I send out that has all the composers and the songs that they heard. 
So it's not only a computer programming education, it's also a music education. Now, there's one in, other thing I know about way, you. Yes. Okay. So there's another thing I know about you, and that is that uh, you are a musician. Do you ever take your, like, your bass guitar in there or play for them? No. Uh, well, there was, there was one time where me and a couple of other teachers uh, put together a couple of songs and we played at a rally, and, uh, and the kids got a kick out of that. But uh, uh, that's not usually something that I do. Oh, well, maybe we can introduce that as a new idea. Because <laughs> thinking back eons ago when I was a teenager, I think that would have made my teacher the coolest ever. So when you played at your rally, I bet those those teens watching you were like, oh, my God, I want to be like Mr. Lanceberger. <laughs> Let's talk about parents for a little bit. Or did you want to comment about what I just said? Uh, no, we, we can move forward. Okay. So I'll, I'm always interested in parents and teenagers. When I was a parent of three teenagers two years apart, I thought, oh, my God, this is the hardest job anybody ever created. And I made so many mistakes in how I mentored my kids for school. We did have homework time, but uh, I could have done it way better. So as you've engaged with so many parents over the years, I want to know what you've noticed that parents do that helps create responsible teenagers. And I think today, in today's world, that is really, really a challenge. What do you think? I agree. It's funny. A lot of times I'll tell people that I'm a high school teacher, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you work with teenagers? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> But but I, I love them. I, I think that age group uh, certainly certainly fits in my wheelhouse, uh, and 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 I connect with my students a lot. Uh, but as far as parents go, I think a, a really important thing, and maybe this is more with younger children to start to to really build that 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 base foundation for students. Uh, parents should model what they want their students to become, what they want their children to become. Pardon me. It, it's not it's, it's not enough just to say you need to go to school you need to get good grades and, and kind of lay down the law it's more about demonstrating that intellectual pursuits are something that we should just be doing you know yeah we had a long day at work but gosh let's sit down and read a, have some time to read a book together uh, or spend some time at, you know as they get a little older having conversations about uh, intellectual things, maybe that they're studying at school, or it could just be something that you notice on television together. But having I, that... I, I know that when I was a parent, a working parent, single parent of three teenagers, having an intellectual goal like that, I never, first of all, it never occurred to me, and I just modeled hard work for my kids. I wish I had known you at that time, although I'm older than you, to incorporate that, that kind of role modeling. And again, today's kids are into video games, and we will get to that later. So keep going with that um, about parents. That, that modeling is, is a key, and I think that that's something that a lot of people don't realize, uh, that youngsters 
they'll hear what you say often, but they will always do what you do. So the old adage, do what I tell you, not what I do, is sort of not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's one thing that, that adults would like to be able to have be the truth. Uh, it'd be really nice to live your life one way, but tell people to do it another way. Uh, but, but really, youngsters will, will model the world that's around them. And, and if parents can bring to the table you know, uh, a sense of structure and consistency uh, you know, with discipline and just kind of what our day-by-day looks uh, like, uh, that's something that, that children will really glom onto and start to put structure into their own, own lives, pardon me, <clears throat> because that's what they see their parents doing. So they figure, oh, this is just how life is. You kind of structure things out, and you have a plan. Well, I really uh, applaud that idea because, as you know, I'm the author of some books about structuring teenagers and children. And so they can't structure themselves. They don't have that ability. If parents don't do it, and uh, they allow their kids to grow up sort of in a laissez-faire environment, boy, that is really not fostering successful, responsible teens. Uh, I would, I would also, agree with you. Yeah. Okay, good, good. And, so, um, and, and, and in, in that, I would also add in <clears throat> that within that structure, having a space available so that kids know that they're supported and that mm-hmm. – they have they have that freedom to fail. Failure is a really important growth vehicle. I've learned more by failing than any of my successes. That is honestly so true. And as a parent, I was not into allowing my teenager or my little kid to fail. I was about creating successes. But in retrospect, Mark, Allowing your kid to fail and learn from the lessons of that right. experience is the, probably the biggest gift we parents could give our kids because then they hopefully pick themselves up and turn themselves around. And That's on that how they note, learn how wanted, to do that. <laughs> yeah. And I was also wondering, um, and we're coming up on a break in about a minute, but I was also wondering, have you noticed um, what parents do that fosters kids? who don't thrive in school? What, what, can, what does the parents do in their daily life that sort of like do what you want? What kind of things have you noticed over the years? There's kind of two edges to that, in, in my opinion. First and foremost, uh, parents who want to be their kid's best friend. Bad idea. I've never seen that work well. But then the other side of it is being overly controlling, overly structured and overly protective. Uh, that means the Okay. Well, we are, as I said, we're coming up on a break. We will be right back in about two minutes, listeners, at Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. Result of a good working relationship between the home buyer and their realtor. Make buying your Oregon home a fun and rewarding experience. Get our free guide to happy Oregon homeownership. Act now. Limited availability. Free at realoregonhomes.com. That's realoregonhomes.com. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, 
You need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, listeners, to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. We are with Mark Landsberger, 2018 Teacher of the Year for San Diego County. And, Mark, before the break, we were talking about parents. And I want to kind of move on and circle back to the parents. But I want to ask you, as a, as a teacher, how do you motivate your students? Well, I... That's a multi-pronged thing, really. <laughs> uh, I mean, it starts off with uh, that environment that we talked about earlier, an environment where people are kind of immediately stimulated uh, and, and they're ready to be engaged because they're, they, they've been set up for that uh, insofar as how the place looks, uh, maybe some music that they're hearing walking through the door. Uh, I, I try very hard to make sure that I greet my students as they come in and maybe have a short little conversation as they're making their way to their table uh, and, and getting to know, you know, everybody's name. Uh, that's, that's, that's really a kicker. Uh, in those first few weeks, I'm working very, very hard to make sure I, I have all 160 of my students' names committed oh, to memory. Uh, <laughs> 160? Oh, my yeah, God. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I teach a lot of kids. Uh, but that, that fosters that relationship very, very early on. And so the motivational key, when things start getting a little tougher and sometimes a kid will want to check out, uh, it's harder for them to, to check out because they know that I already know who they are. And uh, they know that I'm going to, I'm going to get right up, right up in their grill and be like, hey, <laughs> you know, you, you haven't turned in your stuff here. What's going on? Uh, so that's a motivating factor as well yes and on that same note this is a harder question at least it was for me because i had unmotivated uh, one unmotivated child how do you motivate unmotivated students okay so what you're asking me is if there's a kid who's already checked out yes okay that's a little bit of a tougher scenario. Uh, it does yeah. happen for sure. One of the things that I do as a teacher is I'll often reach out to a, a parent uh, or, or parents of a student who's, who's having those kind of struggles 
and usually by facilitating conversation between the parents and myself so that we both kind of have a united front of, hey, here's the expectation. This is what we're looking for. We believe in who you are. You don't need to check out. We've got your back. We're going to help you get through this academically challenging stuff uh, because we care about you. Uh, as a group of collective adults, uh, we want you to be successful. That's a start because then the parents at home know what their child is seeing in my classroom, what mm -hmm. my expectations for them are at home. Uh, and if, if the parents have built in that family structure and, and what things are expected at the home, they can usually fit what I'm looking for into their scenario much easier once we facilitate that communication. Well, I know parents who never raised their children with much structure, and after a few sessions with me, they rethought that and provided structure, and it really turned this family around. My point being, it's never too late. So if, if you have had a video game babysitter like so many of us have had, time to turn that around. But uh, I'm going to turn this back to the parents, Mark. So how did they motivate? What would you advise them to do to motivate their own kids, their students? Well, Dr. Ann, are we, are we talking about academics or are we talking about just life in general? Well, we could talk about both because I think they're both critical. Okay. Academically, if, if I had a, a youngster who seemed to be disengaging from school, uh, an early thing to do is to reach out to the teachers. Uh, if the teachers haven't reached out to you, you should make that phone call or, or maybe make an email. You know, teachers are, are very Actually, busy, and, and we do have a lot of students that, that we're, we're managing at a time. Dr. Uh, but reaching out and making that connection with, with your students' teachers, but I again, it. can help you understand what is my kids work? seeing in the room every day. Did you see the lights? Now, as far as life stuff goes, yet, we, uh, that's a little bit more uh, going back to that modeling. Getting them engaged yeah, in seen the rear end family activities, whether it's playing a game or going out to go bowling or whatever. Uh, a, a lot of parents are, are definitely, especially with what I teach in computer science, they're very much in tune with screen time. Uh, and I, I recommend, hey, get them away from the screen. We spend enough time academically on screen. Let's go bowling. Let's go for a hike. Let's go down to the beach. Whatever, uh, you know. But be engaged and involved with your with your children. Those are great suggestions. Now, for parents who have unmotivated students, do you have any words of wisdom? I think a lot of times, just having. A, a parent yeah, taking that extra time to be with them. Now, maybe you have a family of three or four kids, and three of them are doing great, and one is having a tough time. Well, what else you know? Yeah. Well, my, a lot of my family. Kind of, now tell me. Now tell yeah. Me well, well my, in my family of origin as well, and my my parents really wanted to make sure that every kid had the exact same equality, and it's not really about equality, Dr. Ann. It's more about equity. All that particular child, I, the one who's struggling, that I get the is the one who okay. needs your extra attention right now. So you might 
not give as much oh, attention to, to the other three in some ways because you are focusing some extra energy on the one who's having to struggle. It doesn't always have to be equal. The needs dictate the equity. Interesting. So I'm thinking back to when I was a parent, and I was totally unaware of what I did to create the teenager I had. Do you think parents are aware of that? Because I sure wasn't, and having somebody tell me or or sit down in a kind way and say, so how have you structured your teen's homework time? That kind of thing. That would have been very helpful. And I imagine that some parents might not take kindly to that. I would have. What do you think about um, the idea that parents may or may not be aware of what they're doing to create the teenager they now have? Boy, that is that absolutely dependent mistake. upon the parents. Uh, you're, you're right. <laughs> Some parents can become very, very defensive. But it was sure nice. Uh, and, and very quickly, even at the suggestion there. that there might be another alternative way of, but, uh, of um, doing things. Uh, so, you know, as a, as a public educator, and thank you uh, that's one of the things that I have to be super sensitive of as I'm having those conversations. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes it, it, it's amazing. I'll say to a parent, you know, a student is struggling or whatnot, well, and, and I'll say, well, gosh, do, do they have a desk? And there's this pause, there's this silence of, what do you mean they need to have a desk? It's like, well, where else do you expect them to do homework? You know, and, it, you know, for some folks, especially those who don't have, you know, uh, a lot of schooling of their own, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes people don't even get past high school. Uh, they may not be aware that having a space in your home for a student to be doing schoolwork is actually a critical foundation uh, for, for setting up that structure. So sometimes I, I'm able to, to, to get through with that. Um, uh, other parents are very receptive uh, to, to feedback. I think that's such a, a wonderful trait for parents to have in, in, oh, uh, in 1901. That's a joke. I used to be a sixth grade teacher, and I'm not that old. And uh, I remember some parents being just livid that I would suggest some other way of um, interacting with their sixth grader so that their sixth grader would have more support or a little area of privacy to do their homework. And well, uh, so in my um, try to see the lights tonight or time as a psychologist, I have learned, and this is a general out. statement, that parents are so busy and so entrenched, and they bring forward what happened in their family of origin, thinking it's okay. But I'm inviting well, I think parents I read to maybe rethink that like and um, figure out what your something. teen needs and ask their teachers what they think. And I think it's an indicator of that well, you have yeah, a good teacher Sunday, yeah, uh, would be someone who would respond dust, to that question. Can you give us a general example of a parenting style, Mark, that leads to academic well, and social success? To, We've touched really on it, but I want to pick your brain a little bit more. Yeah. Sure thing. Well, uh, again, it comes down to um, uh, have you provided good models that, uh, for, for your youngster so that they can see what an intellectual success can look like, and they have a sense of that. Mm -hmm. Providing that structure for them, 
you know, if, if your household yeah, is constantly in chaos and, and as the adults, you're the ones putting out the fires Maybe. all the time, yeah. something's got to give, right? You, you need to have mm-hmm. some structure happening I just like uh, so, that, so that people can be successful. Um, and in part and parcel with that, of course, goes uh, consequences for actions. Not past, not past you know, if something happens, then there has to be a consequence for that. Uh, and that, that would in, in, include rewards as well. When, when the right anyway, things happen, there's particular rewards kind of built in. Uh, fun things and extra time and that type uh-huh. of stuff. Uh, those styles tend to work pretty well. Uh, but again, I would, I would also mention that it, it's easy to become overly controlling, uh, to overly program our kids' day as well. So it, it's a balance. You know, it's kind of like the yin and the yang. You've got to have, you got to have both both pieces of that. Uh, if you're dealing with, with, you know, raising people who are ready to deal with the trials and tribulations of, of becoming an adult. Well, I think those are critical points. And I know that if teens know the consequence, well, beforehand, they can make wiser decisions, so and we all know that the teen brain is so not equipped there. to make wise well, decisions in <laughs> 25 years for our brain to mature. So the idea that they should have known or they should have figured out is something uh, they honestly just can't do. And creating other alternatives and talking about family values. And I'm going to loop back to what you said about an intellectual experience of reading. Gee, there's a lost art. And having education and reading and writing well or whatever you want to put in there as a family value creates a foundation for kids to succeed in school as opposed to go play five hours on your video game. And well, also, I have to do it, but I get back to work. parents so, who have allowed their kids to stay and, up all night thank you playing video calling. games I and then go off to school. And, uh, but yeah. could you, you tell us, Mark, what parenting style or style really bad need cold, to having school and social interaction be challenging to their no. child? Yeah, not as, I'm just tired what are those parenting sick? styles? Yeah, 2018 was I, I think building in that curiosity for the, the wider world and understanding that there's much more than just what's immediately in front of you. The weather over here has been miserable. It's raining. Well, it's and again, it comes back to that model. Work. We hit some kind of yeah. record on yeah. rain and, and it just keeps And what's the best coming. advice you can give parents about how to support their teens through yeah, high school, or for that matter, school uh, in general? Just shit. But... Anyway, Again, and this is kind of where fostering the I, I environment where it's okay to have a slip, day. it's okay to have a failure. I'm not talking about failing a class. So, I'm talking about being sucks. intellectually honest and having kids reach for that hard thing. Try to take that AP class. Hey, you really like biology? You did good with with your sciences in in middle school, and now in in, in high school you're feeling good about that? Reach for that. Do the challenging thing. And if you don't quite make it, we got your back. Hey, Mark, we're coming up on a hard break. And listeners, we will be back with Mark Landsberger in just a moment. Happy Oregon homeownership is the result of a good working relationship between the home buyer and their realtor. Make buying your Oregon home a fun and rewarding experience. 
Get our free guide to happy Oregon homeownership. Act now. Limited availability. Free at realoregonhomes.com. That's realoregonhomes.com. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We are with the 2018 San Diego County Teacher of the Year, Mark Landsberger, this morning. And we are learning a lot about how to support our teenagers and children in being more successful in life and in school. And, Mark, you teach gifted teens, so I suppose they're rather high-functioning individuals. Tell us your thoughts about how we parents of average or struggling student can be supportive to their child. And I know you've touched on this, but I'd like you to touch on it again. Yeah, a little bit. And, and, and you're right. I, I do work with some really, really bright young minds. Uh, and, and I have others, uh, as we talked about just before the break, who are kind of reaching for something that's, that's academically challenging, maybe something that's outside of their comfort zone, uh, especially in my introduction class. So with the high-functioning kids, uh, as a teacher, a lot of times it's it's about hey, here's the content, here's the here's the playground, and I'm going to get out of your way because you're just going. Uh, but but you're right, the average student or a student who's struggling, what can parents do? And a big thing is, as we said before, reaching out to a student's teachers and making that connection, so that so that your child knows that you know what their school day looks like, and that way you can, as a parent, establish what your expectations are. And a lot of it, too, is, is kind of knowing your kid. The bottom line is, is not all kids are cut out for, like, hardcore academics, you know. Not all kids are going to go to Stanford. There's a lot of kids out there, and California finally has started to, to figure this out once again uh, in the fact that we're putting more resources into uh, what we call CTE, which is career and technical education. Uh, my field falls under that, but it's more of an academic field, 
but there's a lot of stuff in the CTE field that are much more uh, like the trade skills, more oriented with uh, you know automotive mechanics and, and different different types of training that students can get at the high school level. And, and maybe your kid is just one of those types of folks who isn't a, a, a book and pencil type of person, uh, but they have a lot to offer the world. Uh, and those are skills that that should be more highly prized than they currently are in our society. I totally agree with that. I once had a parent, a single uh, dad, whose son was really interested in auto mechanics, and he had a friend who was an auto mechanic at a gas station and got his friend to mentor his son. And honestly, it changed his son's life. So instead of being so one-focused, you've got to go to college, you have to do everything right in school, your whole future depends on it. We need to get in touch with who our teens really are, what their talents are, because we all have talents, but it may, my talent is certainly not yours, because I don't understand computers. But um, <laughs> for, the struggling, for the struggling teen, what do you think of tutors? Actually, on, on our campus, we use a lot of peer tutoring. So uh, a, a lot of times, uh, students who are struggling, you know, we have a writing center. Uh, if they're struggling with their writing, uh, they can meet peers that are, that are within their age group that can help them get into the writing process and understand that. Uh, we, we've got that for pretty much all the major academic disciplines um, because there's always some students who are strong at some things and not as strong at others. Uh, but they, they tend to communicate with each other very well. Uh, the peer tutors really deeply know what the teachers are looking for because they've already been through those classes. You know, you know what I mean? So yeah. they're able to bring that perspective to to the student who's struggling uh, to understand that, oh, I, all I really have to do is take care of X, Y, and Z, and, and these things will take care of themselves, and we can figure it out. Uh, I found that peer tutors, honestly – are generally more effective than outside adult tutors, depending on, on the field of study. That's an interesting point. I know that I have many uh, clients, patients, who struggle with this. And here's the parent struggle that I get greeted with often with my patients, and that is, Oh, I hate it when 4 o'clock comes home and little Johnny comes home and he has homework, little Johnny being a teen. He has homework that I don't understand. He has, like, Algebra 2, and I never got that in the first place, so how could I even help my son or daughter figure that out? And it is a total struggle because then it gets, then it gets adversarial. Like, I don't know this, you don't know this. You're frustrated, I'm frustrated, and it goes downhill from there. Do you have any thoughts about and, and, that? And absolutely. And the student comes back with, well, why do I have to study it, mom or dad? Because you don't know it either. And that becomes exactly. a, a, bone of a bone of contention against the entire system. And that's why one of the things that, that's important uh, that, that we try to promote at, at my particular site is really making sure that kids are socially engaged that every kid's got a, a, a group of friends, a peer set, that we don't have you know, a bunch of or, or a few lone wolves out there, so to speak, that, that are just completely isolating themselves and, 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 and not connecting with other people. Um, what we call it on our campus is home court advantage. Uh, 
that no matter what you've got going on in your day-by-day world off of campus, when you come here, you are a Nighthawk. You are part of our flock. Uh, and you've got somebody here that you're connecting with uh, throughout your, your four-year experience in high school. And, and so uh, the, that ropes back into the peer tutoring and helping each other, and it's a collaborative environment. It, it, it's competitive, too, at the same time, uh, but there is a lot of, of students helping students uh, in, in many different ways, not just academically, but socially uh, and just interacting with, uh, with systemic things and all that kind of stuff. Boy, those are salient words. Now, I'm going to switch this a little because I think this is another really important topic that I'd like us to cover this morning. I keep up on all the destructive and high-risk challenges that go on in the social media and at school, and I see the aftermath of so many of these when I work in the emergency department. I see things like car surfing when one hops on top of the car going 55 miles an hour, or tying a dog leash around one's neck to get a suffocation rush, or spraying nonstick cooking spray into a bag to breathe in the vapors so one can get high. Any thoughts about how to keep our teens from not engaging in such dangerous teen challenges? And that's what they're called, teen challenges. Well, I guess one of the things that we can do uh, as adults, and, and I interact with teens every day, uh, is actually have conversations about these things. Mm-hmm. And, and don't, don't let the kids get away with, with putting a name on that that sounds alluring, such as teen <laughs> challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I heard something like that in my classroom, I would probably pop back with, uh, oh, you guys are talking about teen, teen stupidity? Is, is that what, what we're doing right now? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, p- part of part of it is is the sh- for, for teenagers it's the shock factor. Uh, as as a social group, teenagers are trying to find their identity, uh, not just as individuals, but as a generation as well. And, and so these are things that, uh, that that go back as long as teenage life has been a thing. Uh, you know, you go back to the 20s, and what was the big teen challenge then? Oh, we're going to guzzle a gallon of milk, you know, or, or whatever. There was all kinds of weird things going on uh, during the 20s. Uh, and even back in the time of Plato, where it was like, oh, the youth are, are falling down in the streets, and they're worthless, and blah, 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 blah. This has always been the sociological struggle between the generation that is in power and control of the society and the new generation coming up trying to assert their place and figure out what they're about. So if, yeah. we can, if we can demystify some of these dangerous behaviors and just call them out for what they are, dumb, then <laughs> it's going to take away some of the allure. Okay. And on that same note, what do you think about the current concern about video game addiction or phone, cell phone addiction? Boy, I sit next to tables of teens, and they don't really talk to each other anymore because they're texting. What do you think about that? That is a real thing. Um, and that takes uh, a lot of, of energy, uh, especially for parents and adults who work with teens. That takes a lot of, of our time, uh, which it's, it's kind of a funny thing because being in the field that I'm in, my field is part of that issue. Uh, our product creates this, this uh, division between people. Uh, some, some look at it as the social networking is making people more engaged, uh, but in a different way. 
I think uh, video game addiction is a real thing, and we have to make our, our youngsters more aware that, that they're not tuned into the things that are immediately around them when they're focused on something that's, that's elsewhere, uh, meaning the screen and the server and all that kind of stuff. So one of the things that I'll do, if it's lab time and people are supposed to be working on their labs and I see a kid on their phone, I'll just casually walk by and be like, you know, you're not going to find the answer for your lab on that thing. And they kind of realize, oh, my gosh, yeah, I'm wasting my time. And it's just kind of calling out the behavior, you know? Yeah. Well, listeners, there you have it. Feedback from the 2018 Teacher of the Year in San Diego County. And seemingly a teacher who engages his students in a very creative way. Mr. Lanceberger, it's been such a pleasure to have you as our featured guest this morning. I hope to have you back. And thank you so much. And listeners, You're very welcome. Until next Oh, it's been a pleasure. Until next week, remember, only you have the power to create your world to be the way you want it to be. This is Dr. Ann, hoping you have a great first week of January 2019. Happy Oregon homeownership is the result of a good working relationship between the home buyer and their realtor. Make buying your Oregon home a fun and rewarding experience. Get our free guide to happy Oregon homeownership. Act now. Limited availability. Free at realoregonhomes.com. That's realoregonhomes.com. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. Listeners, we are your relationship mentor. It's five days until Christmas Eve, if you can believe that, and it's six days until Christmas Day. How are you all doing? I'm always curious about that. And by the way, today at 866-286. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, listeners. Welcome to Dr. Ann's Relationship.
uh, pre-event, you're pretty much um, warming up the client. You know, you're you're pumping them up. You're getting them ready for for a massage for an event. And the post massage is um, you're getting them, you know, cooling down. You're relaxing them after you know running around or doing whatever they were doing. And that's pretty much intended for it's for the 